You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. Amen. Welcome, brothers and sisters in Christ. Again, my name is Michael Jarbo, and I'm so honored to be here today. You can just call me Jarbo, as many folks in the youth group know. I just remember seeing Angela Fanner yesterday, who just said, hey, Jarbs. That works, too, uh, in some capacities. Um, But also, uh, for those of you uh, who are connected here to Asbury, you can also uh, call me Journeying Fox, which is my Navajo Nation name. In in some churches, if I said that, that kind of give me a weird look. But here at Asbury, you all know about the tradition of giving Navajo names. And so when I was appointed seven years ago to Memorial, uh, Memorial Drive United Methodist Church in Houston, uh, we, were, we had a contemporary service at the church. When I asked what it was named, it's entitled The Journey. Of course, Journeying Fox and The Journey. Sometimes God works in mysterious ways. But I'm honored to be here today on behalf of all the seniors of the class of 2021. Thank you. And I'm uh, grateful to be here. The scripture I've had chosen for us today is from the gospel according to John chapter 15. It's part of Jesus' farewell discourse as he's gathered up with the disciples, giving him their, giving them their final words before he makes his way to being arrested and, and, and dying on the cross. And they're important words for us today. So if you are able, will you please stand for the reading of the gospel today? As we're gathered here, this is John chapter 15, verses one through nine. Hear these words. I am the true vine and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered and then thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. This, my friends, is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I will tell you, friends, it is amazing how throughout the course of my ministry, I have witnessed connections to Asbury and to Bossier City, even living in Houston. Uh, If you stick around in Methodism long enough, you'll learn it's a very small world uh, here uh, in this denomination. But as I reflected on my sermon today for these seniors and for all of you, I thought about some of those connections that came to my mind. Like my wife Leslie and I, we left Louisiana uh, in 2011, the beginning of 2011, uh, to head to Chicago so I could begin my seminary education up there. 
I remember loading boxes in my flip-flops in my little apartment in Shreveport to get into the moving truck and go due north only to watch the temperature drop 70 degrees from Shreveport to Chicago. Let me ask you, who's got two thumbs and thinks it's a good idea to move to Chicago in January? This guy. Yeah, my wife, who I've only been married to for a few months, was not too pleased with that call. But I, I digress. Uh, we, we were heading up, and I was heading to my second floor apartment carrying boxes. And I met this nice woman who was our next door neighbor. Her name was Cynthia. Uh, and she greeted us, this kind older woman who uh, would play uh, her piano and sing hymns every Sunday morning. That kind of woke us up and greeted us. But it was such a beautiful sound. And she loved making cornbread for her neighbors and would bring it over often. And I just thought to myself, this is not a normal kind of, what I had in mind, a Chicago sort of neighbor here. And that's because she wasn't from Chicago. As I set that first box down in my open apartment, I made mention that my wife and I moved from Shreveport, Bossier City, and she gasped. She was from Monroe. And she shared that in 1981 in Bossier City, she went to a revival where, for the very first time, she met God. Next door neighbors. God in Bozier. Or I mentioned one time in a sermon at my church in Houston about this Starbucks right over here on Bean Street, not too far away, right by 220. Uh, I had a lot of one-on-one conversations with the youth group members there, either before or after youth group on Wednesday nights, or I'd just buy frappuccinos for some sad or frustrated youth member. I'd always brighten their day if I brought frappuccinos to youth group. Uh, I, I talk about, I talk to them because that was sort of seen as a, a secondary refuge for some students at this Starbucks just down the road, kids navigating their faith and their life together in high school, wherever they went to school. And I remember after church that Sunday when I mentioned that, that comment, mentioned that Starbucks in that place, a church member I've known for a long, long time came up to me and said, are you talking about the Starbucks on the airline? I had no idea he had any kind of connection. It turns out he did. His girlfriend years ago, now his wife, was a nurse at Willis-Knighton right next door and after shifts, they would meet at Starbucks, and that's where their relationship began to grow. And now they've been married for over 20 years. Sometimes he buys me Starbucks gift cards just out of nowhere. He'll, he'll hand them to me uh, in the lobby of our church before we leave, and I'll open it up. And he always writes on the envelope, enjoy your cup of coffee, but it's no Starbucks on airline. <laughs> God in Bozier. Or my, my, my dear friend Brian Athey, Brian and his family come and worship at Memorial Drive on a regular basis, but long ago he uh, came into my office and he had a conversation with me because he wanted to get more involved. He was struggling, wanted to get more connected to the church. And as he was sitting in my chair, he looked across the room and he said, oh my gosh, that's Barry Hughes. And on a picture in my office is, is a picture of me with Barry Hughes right here in this sanctuary where I officiated my, officiated my very first wedding for Caroline Nawis and her now husband, Joel. He said he grew up in that church as a child, started there in seventh grade. He said it was in this youth group, which you seniors are a part of today, and so many have been before, where he first started his relationship with Jesus. And right before the pandemic, I got the opportunity of baptizing 
his three children who are now a part of the journey at my church where we work. God, again, in Bossier City. Even today, Matt Rawl, Pastor Matt Rawl, back when he was a young pastor. Good, good. I was hoping a little more, a little more laughter there. Uh, at Broadmoor United Methodist Church over in Shreveport, fresh out of seminary while I was in college there at Centenary. I took a Bible study with him and he taught for some of the students. I never could have imagined that one day we would be clergy colleagues and that he would invite me to come and preach at a church that means so much to both me and him, God in Bossier. So why am I going down memory lane with all of you all today? I'm sure more nostalgic than normal, being back in this beautiful house of worship, seeing so many familiar faces and new ones. Uh, but because for me, more than ever, as we're in the heart of this pandemic and moving forward, I believe that who we are connected to matters. It's part of our story. Whether you're a graduating senior here on the front row today, or this is your first time to Asbury, or this is the church you've known for the longest you can remember, you're all here, and it's important to reflect on your roots. Like, what got you here today? How did you land at Asbury United Methodist Church? Do you know the story? Who are those people in your life who've helped you through storms, who got you to where you are today? What places mark you? Places have an ability to mark who you are and what you have been. You and I might not know each other too well today. Hopefully that changes. But one thing that connects us is this community and, of course, our love for Jesus Christ. And I think God thrives with people who are attuned to their stories, attuned to where they came from, attuned to their roots. That's why I tell couples that I get to marry, and I, I get to do a lot of weddings at my church where I work. I tell them that marriage, in marriage, you're not supposed to figure it out. You're supposed to live it out. Like the point of marriage and the point of our faith and relationships is not just to have all the right answers. That's not the goal but it's to seek to be in stride with Christ in every step that we have, to be fully aware of the image of God inside all of us. That's the goal. It makes me think of this Allen Ginsberg poem called Sunflower Sutra. It's written in 1955. I studied a lot of Ginsberg while I was in college over at Centenary in some of my writing classes. <clears throat> Ginsberg tells a story in his, in his poem about this trained truck uh, junkyard and he's wandering through it and he he comes upon this sunflower that's just sort of laying there dead uh, covered in oil and debris from all the things around it in that junkyard and he, he just thinks about how beautiful this sunflower once was at its prime when it flourished in its existence now it's just a shell of what it once was and that's what the poem's about he's looking at the sunflower he writes this poor dead flower when did you forget that you were a flower? When did you look at your skin and decide you were an old locomotive? To Ginsburg, that flower is not only dead, but it transformed into something its surroundings told it should be. I think, in a way, that's what Jesus was afraid of. 
near the end of his life. It's hard to really grasp that mood in the upper room where all those disciples were gathered for that last dinner. Can you think about what was going through the minds of those disciples? A lot of them 18 years old-ish, right? The same age as many of you seniors here on the front row. All the dark and twisty thoughts going through their mind mixed with nostalgia, hope-filled moments, laughter, turning into tears. Let me ask all of y'all in this congregation, have you ever been at the last moment of something? Think about it. Maybe the last night that you got to stay at your childhood home before you left, went somewhere else, moved. Perhaps maybe the last car ride with your son and daughter as you dropped them off at college to start the next season of that life. Some of you are about to do that. Maybe some of you already have. Or to sit with a friend for the last time as they finish their course of life. A lot of you seniors are wrapping up some of those last moments in this season of high school. How do they feel? How, how does it mean to you? Now go there as a disciple. Think about them. I mean, if I'm them, if I'm one of those disciples in the upper room, I'm wanting to cherish every last minute, every last word Jesus, my Lord and my friend, is about to say. I'm wanting to squeeze every drop of wisdom, every last trick of the trade, every word to sustain us through this unknown future. I mean, feelings of disconnect are beginning to set in as I know where Jesus is probably going to go and end up even beginning to doubt when I'm in the presence of the Almighty. Jesus does something peculiar here in chapter 15. That's why I chose this passage for you seniors today. He gives them a distinct role. Jesus on his final I am statement, you know in the Gospel of John there are seven I am statements. Jesus begins saying, I am this, I am this. But for the first time ever, he gives them their very first you are statement. He doesn't do this anywhere else in the gospel. Now, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. We know that line, of course, but he doesn't, and we just kind of infer that we are the sheep, right? Shepherd, sheep. But he doesn't say that explicitly, but he does say it here. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me, I will remain in you. You will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I can imagine the comfort the disciples began to feel in that moment, hearing Jesus' words, but also I can begin to see them get consumed by their branchiness. <laughs> it's a very human thing to do to get consumed in your branchiness, to, to consume uh, uh, us of what we want to do for Jesus. We think if, if Jesus is the vine and I am indeed a branch, well then I'm going to be the best branch I can possibly be. And so we sign up for every Bible study. We sign up for every mission trip we can go on to. We get sold out for Jesus. We do everything. We define all in with doing more and more and more. We can become obsessed with producing fruit, producing good things, because our society tells us that the best branches in the world are the ones that produce more and more. We get caught so up in what we do because so much of our worth today is measured in what we produce. And then it can feel kind of good when we're producing good works and, and good relationships and good growth. But when production is down, 
when we begin to feel disconnected, that's where our default goes to. Where are you, God? Right? Isn't it interesting when we, our work goes down, we also wonder where God is? And at our very worst, we begin the comparison game. Social media doesn't have that, help that, friends, does it? We compete for who's the best branch. That's my biggest weakness because I can fake my fruit with the best of them. You know what I'm saying? Let me ask you this, and no one needs to raise their hands wherever you are standing. Have you ever shared what God was doing for you just so other people could hear it? Now hear me. It's not bad to celebrate what God is doing and God is growing in your life. But try this. Care about your own branch before noticing and comparing yourself to others. Better yet, ask yourselves this, and especially for the seniors, do I receive my identity from what I produce or from the one who produces through me? When we ask that question, y'all, my fellow branches, <laughs> we have to go to the parts of being a branch that aren't easy for us to hear. Because I wish Jesus had just stopped at that really nice, lovely part, but he keeps going. Dag, nab it, Jesus. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it can be even more fruitful. Ouch. Cut off? Pruning? Is that some sort of divine judgment? I don't think so. I think pruning isn't just flippantly tossing branches away. Pruning is the act of removing the excess growth that robs the vine of its energy. So another question for this church today, are there things that are robbing your energy? Are there people in your life that are getting in the way of your growth? Wine producer and theologian, uh, Giselle Krillinger, she writes about the meaningful process of pruning vineyards in her book, The Spirituality of Wine. I love this quote. She says this, when we prune something, we are not saying it's unimportant. We are keeping productive things productive. That's a healthy way to think of it, isn't it? But also remember, fellow branches, no one else can do the pruning for you. It's all you and it's with God. So what are you holding on to that needs to be let go? I don't know many of the seniors here on the front row in this room today, but boy, have I been praying for you. This church connects us, all of us. We share the same story. I talked with Briley this week, who is just an absolute rock star uh, about all of you all. And she shared how grateful she was for each of you. And she shared how many high schools that you represent here in this space that you all have a heart for worship, whether it's with the Lighthouse Kids or the Navajo Nation Arizona Mission Trip or projects around the community. She also has shared that y'all have been through some things too this year. You're both your junior year and your senior year. From all the repercussions of COVID that have canceled a lot of your plans this year, from caring for one another after the loss of Josh Brown in 2019, the way you've set the standard for love and compassion for this community that the youth group has always been known for. It's pretty remarkable. 
even when the world won't show that same compassion. One description word that Briley gave that I loved about you guys, she said, y'all are resilient. Love that word, resilience. One definition of resilience I looked up, I loved it. It says, the ability to spring back into shape after bending. <laughs> Y'all have done some bending this year, haven't you, friends? Or, or, or come back into shape after stretching or being compressed. When there are plenty of excuses for y'all to snap from the vine, your branchiness withheld through the conditions. You didn't conform to your situation. You learned to lean in and stay close to the vine, stay close to God. And here's the reality check. It doesn't get easier after high school. Can I get an amen from some of you out there? But with life's experiences and a deeper trust in God that you've learned through this youth group, our grip to God becomes ever more easy as time goes on. This makes me think of one more image that comes to mind about uh, Jesus. I love the story of Jesus walking on the water. Y'all heard that story before, right? It's, it's, it's pretty much in all the Gospels. Uh, but I learned something different when I looked at it in a new light this time. You see, Jesus comes out walking on the water and all the disciples think he's a ghost. They're like, oh, ooh, who is that? And Jesus comes walking out, especially Peter, who begins to sort of like freak out a little bit. And he's like, Lord, if it's really you, if it's really you, Peter always does that, then tell me to come walk out in the water with you. And I feel like if Jesus was from Bozier, he'd say, come on, let's, let's go, like walk on out here. But as the wind turns up and fear begins to set in, Peter begins to sink. He yells, Lord, help me. And the text says that Jesus goes and catches him. And says, you of little faith, why did you doubt me? You know, I've always assumed that Jesus, excuse me, I've always assumed that Peter was doubting Jesus here. But you know what I caught this time reading it is that Jesus isn't the one sinking. Who is? It's Peter. He, he doubts himself. He loses faith in himself. But Jesus catches him before he loses him and tells him, I'm going to be with you forever. My presence is always on your side. And you know, all my life, I've read that scripture thinking and believing in God. But it's also true that God believes in me. I mean, he must have faith in us because he leaves it all in our hands as disciples. And each one of you are disciples. His last words aren't transactional. They are relational. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. And so my final word for you, class 2021, is stay branchy. And that basically means to stay connected. Remember your roots. Remember the city that helped raise you. Remember the people. And remember Jesus. The pruning, the cutting, the bearing fruit, its success is not in our belief in God. But when we truly acknowledge the difficult yet freeing reality that God is always with us and he's always on our side. At the very end of the poem, Ginsburg goes and he picks up that sunflower, that lifeless plant in his hand that he's been holding on to. And maybe today for us, we just think of it as God holding all of us in our hand, in his hands. He looks down at that flower and he says these words in a poem. He says, you were never, 
no locomotive, sunflower. You have always been a sunflower. God in Bozier. God in us. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Oh, gracious God, sometimes the truth is simple, but it stings a little bit. We like to compare our, our fruit with others. We like to see who can produce more. And then when we're not in competition with them, we begin to self-doubt. Lord, I just pray for these seniors as we begin to start these next chapters of our life. I pray for all of us, whatever season that we might be in, that we remember our roots. We remember that we are a part of a good vine. And that our branch doesn't matter by how much we produce, but it always matters who we're connected to. So might we hold fast to that connection today and always. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.